Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 6. Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. Podcast presented by Bet Friends Sportsbook. It is Monday, April 17th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody had a great, relaxing April weekend. And I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun. Monday episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. So, on Friday, I told you, I promised, I said at some point we're going to get back to football. But between the stay-or-go decisions, the portal, things have been crazy in basketball. Well, today, we officially get back to football, and here is why. The NFL draft, incredibly, is 10 days away. You guys and girls know we talk a lot of football in the in the fall, in the winter, and all that good stuff. So the NFL draft is kind of our sweet spot, right? We love college football. Everybody loves the NFL. And so what I'm going to do today, I'm going to give you my eight NFL draft hot takes as we're about 10 days away from the draft. Some of them aren't really hot takes, but basically my thoughts on the draft, who should go number one, who's going to be a bust, all of that good stuff. I have a very interesting thought on what happens after the first pick as well. So stay tuned for that. Probably break that up into two parts. Quick break, come back, and we will talk a little bit about the weekend in college hoops. Couple portal commits, including a very interesting comment coming out of Jesse Edwards. Uh, And then we will wrap with uh, a little bit of a sad story. Mikey Williams, another high-profile former can't-miss college uh, basketball, you know, high school basketball star is in trouble with the law. And I'm going to talk a lot about what I've talked about before. We put too much pressure on these kids too soon. That's how we'll wrap the show. A little football, basketball hybrid show. So busy Monday, fun Monday. Let's get going. And with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, as I said, listen, if you if you listen to this podcast regularly, if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, however you consume this show, You know that while the last couple weeks have really been consumed by college basketball, transfer portal stuff, we love college football, we talk a ton of college football, and this is kind of that middle ground where we all watch the NFL, so what better way to transition from college football to the NFL than by talking a little bit of NFL draft? We are now 10 days away 
next Thursday night, Kansas City. I should mention, by the way, the Betfred Sportsbook already has posted a bunch of odds and uh, uh, prop bets and all that good stuff. We'll probably have somebody from Betfred on for a betting preview of the draft next week. But what I want to do today is just kind of just start talking about some of the big storylines. And as I said, give you my Torres hot takes on the NFL draft. And as I just said a moment ago, some of the takes a little less scorching than others. So let's get into it. Draft is fun. I love this time of year. And let's start with hot take number one. And we'll start with the number one overall pick. And my hot take number one is this. I don't think it's a hot take to say that Bryce Young is going to be the number one pick. And my hot take is officially this. The Carolina Panthers would be crazy to take anyone other than Bryce Young. End of story, period. He's the number one guy on my board, especially for an organization that needs a QB. And it's been interesting to kind of follow all of this over the last couple of weeks, right? Because, listen, I get how the news cycle works. And I get the process of the NFL draft. But at the same time, Bryce Young was, I thought, the clear number one coming out of the season. And he's the clear number one now. But what's fun is the process that gets us here, right? Because over the last couple weeks, we've heard all sorts of good stuff. Right before the combine, there was a lot of Anthony Richardson buzz. We're going to talk about Anthony Richardson. Don't worry. Last couple weeks, there was some C.J. Stroud buzz. And again, I get how this process works. News outlets need to print stuff that gets you to click and be interested in what they're talking about. And these NFL teams, they don't want to give away who they're drafting a month before the draft because it creates it creates no leverage for the pick. And so if Carolina gets that pick and everybody knows they're taking Bryce Young, that eliminates the possibility that someone throws in some crazy offer to get that number one pick overall. And so I get how all of this works. But I have been adamant on my Fox Sports radio show. We haven't talked a ton of draft here. But once Carolina got that number one pick, I didn't believe that they were they were moving up if they weren't sure who they were going to get. But then two, on top of that, I was convinced from the beginning it was Bryce Young, and it appears as though it is that way. Again, Bryce Young, the betting favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. And let me say this. I understand the quote-unquote faults with Bryce Young, and he's not the perfect prospect. But I'll tell you this. He is a phenomenal quarterback prospect in my mind because what I, what I believe is this. All the stuff that everybody likes about him is very accurate. And then I think the stuff that people don't like has been a little bit overblown. So let me explain. Why do people like him? Well, he's a darn good quarterback. That's why. Um, I, I'm not a quarterback guru, but listen, smarts, IQ, processing speed, He's got it all, and he's got the stats and the toughest conference of college football to back it up. Wins the Heisman two years ago as a redshirt freshman, 47 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I actually think you can argue that in 2022, Bryce Young was actually even better this past season. He, quote-unquote, only had 32 touchdowns and five interceptions. But remember, he missed a few games with injuries. And I think the other thing with Bryce Young that's easy to push over or look past is this. In the past, the argument against Alabama quarterbacks is, well, they have so much talent around them, right? That was the knock on Mac Jones. That was the knock on Tua. You can't say that this year about Bryce Young. Bryce Young, I think actually, you know, Alabama went 10-2 and in the regular season, 11-2 and overall. I think you could argue it could have been much worse 
without Bryce Young. Bryce Young basically willed Alabama to a victory at Texas. Bryce Young was phenomenal in a one-score game at Ole Miss. Oh, by the way, I think you could argue that Bryce Young's best game actually came in a loss to Tennessee, but if they didn't have Bryce Young, how bad would that game have gotten where Alabama puts up 45 points? Alabama uh, Bryce Young has almost 450 yards passing in that game. And so it feels obvious. This guy is phenomenal. He's done it against the best defenses in college football. I would add, I like his toughness. People talk about his size. The guy is tough as hell. Go back and watch the Georgia National Championship game two years ago. He gets the crap beat out of him. And every time he gets piled into the ground by a Jalen Carter or a Trevon Walker and a Kobe Dean or whoever, he gets right back up, runs back to the huddle like it's no big deal. That also leads me to the second part. Everybody's worried about his size. I get it. I really do get it. But what I would also say, one, we've had smaller quarterbacks succeed in the NFL before. You know the names. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. I mean, Baker Mayfield went number one overall. I don't know if you can call him a success or not. But I bring it up because you look at Bryce Young, and I get that he's small. But let's be careful about labeling him as as being worried about injuries and stuff like that. The injury that he had at Alabama. This past year was a total fluke that would have happened to anybody under the circumstances. If you remember, this wasn't a a size thing. It was against Arkansas at Arkansas. He was diving for a first down and had his shoulder jumped. You know, somebody went to tackle him and his shoulder popped out of its socket, you know? And so again, not a doctor. I'm not sure if that's exactly how it went down, but that is essentially what happened. This isn't Tua that had two or three injuries at Alabama directly correlated to his size. The injury that Bryce Young had could have happened to anybody under any circumstance in that exact moment. The biggest, strongest, most physical quarterback. Bryce Young, to me, number one overall pick. I don't even think it's a debate. Carolina uh, Panthers fans, enjoy. You're going to have a fun one in Bryce Young. My number two NFL draft hot take is this. Let's get to number two, by the way. I know I just did, but let's do it officially. I, I wanted to give me a second. I wanted to set the scene. So let's start over there. Let's get to my number two NFL draft hot take. Here is my number two NFL draft hot take. It is this. It is that I think the Texans are probably going to draft a quarterback with the second overall pick. But I wonder if the quarterback for them is really in this draft. And you're probably thinking, mind blown, Torres, what does that mean? Well, Let me explain, okay? So the Texans are in a very unique position. They have been a train wreck for about three, four years. Hold, you know, Bill O'Brien's there, Deshaun Watson. It's weird. We forget. We we remember all the criminal activity with Deshaun Watson. We forget that, like, he demanded a trade, and two seasons ago, he was on the roster and didn't play because he refused to play. You have David Culley for a year. You have Lovey Smith for a year. And it feels like this organization is finally committed to, hey, we're going to rebuild from the ground up, tear this thing down, and build it back up. And so why I bring that up is because of this. I think it's very possible. I think it's actually very likely that they take a quarterback at number two, and it probably should be C.J. Stroud, and we're going to talk about it in a second. But think about it like this, though. Here's the thing that I think is specifically interesting about the Houston Texans at number two. D'Amico Ryans, 
he inherited a mess and the Texans are compensating him as if they know it's a mess and it's going to take time to fix. What do I mean? D'Amico Ryans has a six-year contract, okay? If they go 1-16 this year, D'Amico Ryans isn't getting fired. And so to go back to the hot take, I think they probably take a quarterback. But my question is this. If you're D'Amico Ryans, if you have a six-year contract to get this right, if you fall in love with one of these defensive players, whether it's Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, whatever, here's my question. Do you skip the quarterback this year, tank, and hope that you get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes? And so, listen, Caleb Williams obviously will be draft eligible next year. And so, listen, I get it. It's hard to tank in the NFL, okay? It's just really hard to do. Only one team's going to be in position to get Caleb Williams. I do wonder, though, if a lot of NFL teams have to weigh the risk-reward of like pushing all the chips in the middle this year or trying to improve their team with the understanding that, hey, if we're bad in 2023, it might not be the worst thing because Caleb Williams is in the next draft and Drake May is in the next draft. And let's be honest, I know sometimes these storylines get overblown, but if either of those guys was in the draft this year, specifically Caleb Williams, I think Caleb Williams goes number one overall. Because the thing about Caleb Williams, while we have questions about Bryce Young, while we have questions about C.J. Stroud, do we have any real questions about C, uh, Caleb Williams? I don't know that we do. A lot bigger than though, Bryce Young, about 6'2", 6'2", 6'3", about 220. Got all the physical tools. And the thing about Caleb Williams is I understand he's in this Lincoln Riley offense, but he is excellent. It's, it's almost Patrick Mahomes like I'm not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, but everybody looked at Patrick Mahomes win loss record when he was in college and they forgot like he had to put up 50 points every game to be competitive. And that was basically what Caleb Williams had to do this past season. Look at uh, USC's wins, but also look at their losses, the bowl game. USC puts up 45 points and loses to Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. USC in their other loss to Utah, remember, they put up, what, 41 points and ended up losing that game? And that was a game that Jordan Addison got hurt? They put up 45, 48 points, excuse me, and narrowly beat UCLA. Caleb Williams is that dude. Caleb Williams will be number one in this draft, and it's going to be interesting to see how teams over the next 12 months weigh the risk-reward of pushing all their chips in the middle for 2023 versus saying, you know, if we're bad for a year, it's not the worst thing. Texans at number two could be in that mix. The Cardinals, even though it's not really a draft thing, are drafting number three. They're in an interesting scenario as well because to me, I look at the Cardinals and I say this. I say, if Kyler Murray, who's out with this injury, if he's slow to recover, do you rush him back this year? Or do you say, Kyler, sit out 2023. We'll figure it out. We got plenty of time, all that. And then if you're good enough to draft Caleb Williams, you figure out what to do with Kyler. I think there's some other teams at the back end of the top 10 that need quarterbacks. Now, Carolina is going to take a quarterback at number one. Indy is interesting at number four because they probably shouldn't, but probably will. This is something to watch, though, not just on draft night, but over the next couple of years. How do teams manage expectations for 2023 while also understanding that Caleb Williams is the pot at the end, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow in 2024? Let's get to number three. That was a good one, though, by the way. By the way, you got to admit, 
That was kind of a good one, right? All right, <laughs> number three. Let's get to number three. My number three NFL draft hot take is this. If the Texans do go quarterback at number two, I think it should be C.J. Stroud, but I don't really like C.J. Stroud. And let me explain what I mean. It should be C.J. Stroud because if Bryce Young goes off the board at one, then at number two and you're taking a quarterback, it's just taking about it's, it's about the safest bet, right? And the next three quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and if you want to argue Hennon Hooker's in that list, and I just might later, stay tuned, wink, wink, nod, nod. If you want to argue any of those guys, they all have different flaws. Richardson is super athletic, but you know, the the the, the completion percentage, Levis, we know Hendon Hooker's 25 coming off injury. Gonna talk about those three momentarily. So if the Texans take a quarterback, it should be CJ Stroud. And to CJ Stroud's credit, like he had a very nice career at Ohio State. Um, and, and most importantly, and I think this is important, he did show something. In that uh, in that bowl game, in that playoff game against Georgia, that showed me like, okay, when his back's against the wall, he probably played his best game against the best team he played in his entire career. They lose on a field goal last second to Georgia, but four touchdowns, 348 yards passing in that game, and never forget, made a couple big plays with his feet 34 yards rushing on the ground. What I also don't think can be denied about about C.J. Stroud, though, is that in his other big games, he wasn't great. And this is what would worry me about drafting C.J. Stroud. Go back and look at the Michigan games. Against Michigan this past year, he wasn't terrible, but he certainly wasn't great. Two touchdowns, two interceptions, 64% completion percentage, put up a lot of yards, but they weren't meaningful yards when he needed them. Lost to Michigan this year. Lost to Michigan last year. The Penn State game this year, it's easy to forget. Ohio State beats Penn State, but it was because their defense forced about a million turnovers and put the the, the offense in short field position. Remember, Ohio State in that game was trailing, heading into the fourth quarter against Michigan, uh, against Penn State, excuse me. And so I bring it up because C.J. Stroud in other big games wasn't very good. Now, he was great in a quote-unquote meaningless Rose Bowl against Utah a few years ago. He was great against the Indianas and the Rutgers and the Purdue's and the whoever's. But if you're the Ohio State quarterback, if you're a guy that's supposed to elevate an entire organization in the NFL, nobody cares about what you did against Northwestern. Nobody cares about what you did against Indiana. Nobody cares about what you did against Rutgers. Did you perform on the biggest stages in the biggest moments? He really didn't, and that's what would concern me. You look at the history of Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm going to give you a quick pop quiz. Who's the best Ohio State quarterback in the NFL, either right now or in our lifetimes? Hint, hint, there really isn't one. Justin Fields may get there, but he's not there yet. The guy who preceded him in Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins, obviously in an awful, awful situation with you know him passing at the age of 24 years old. But when he was playing, and I'm not trying to be crass or speak poorly of somebody who's no longer with us, but he was trending towards being a bust in the NFL. Before those guys, who else? Cardale Jones? No. Uh, JT Barrett? No. Uh, Terrell Pryor? No. I mean, you go on and on down the list. And so that's what we'll worry about. Me. One, CJ Stroud, empty stats against bad team. Ryan Day, for whatever faults you want to criticize him for as the head coach, 
is a brilliant play caller. And I think that allows CJ Stroud to put up great stats. But the last part is what bothers me. Ohio State plays one, maybe two games a year in the regular season where the talent on the field is anything on par with what they have. So is CJ Stroud that good? Or does he just have the best wider? He had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba two years ago. Those are three first-round picks. Two of them last year. One, Jackson Smith and Jigba will be there this year. And this year, he had Marvin Harrison, who's going to be a top-ten pick next year, and Emeka Abuka, who's really good as well. So is CJ Stroud that good? Or is he just an Ohio State quarterback that's playing with insane talent around him? He probably should go number two, but I don't love it. Fourth. NFL draft hot take. And then what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, come back. And from there, we will hit on five, six, seven, eight in a little bit of a quicker fashion. But number four. So we've talked about QB one on my board. It's Bryce Young. We've talked about QB two on my board. It's CJ Stroud. We've talked about Caleb Williams next year. So I know what all of America right now, this second is asking. Well, who is number three on Torres's board on the QB list? Is it Will Levis? Is it Anthony Richardson? Which SEC East quarterback is Torres' number three QB? Well, it's neither. As a matter of fact, my number three QB is another SEC East quarterback. No, I'm not talking about Spencer Rattler. No, I'm not talking about the dude from Vandy. I'm talking Hendon freaking Hooker as my QB number three. And so let's talk about Hendon Hooker. I think he's a fascinating prospect. And let me just... Not beat around the bush. I don't really care how old he is. What is the knock on Hendon Hooker? Two things. He's coming off injury, and he's much older than a lot of these guys. As far as the injury is concerned, it's an ACL. This ain't 1974. You get a repair. You're good to go in six to eight months. That's one. Two, 25 years. Oh, he's so old. I mean, of course. I mean, if you had Bryce Young. Well, no. But I'll say this. You know. You give Anthony Richardson, I I don't know. I I don't want to start whatever. What I'll say is I don't really care how old he is. Joe Burrow was about to be 24 years old when he got drafted. Do you think the Bengals regret drafting him at 24? No. And if Hendon Hooker is a star in year one or year two and you get him for seven, eight years as a really good NFL quarterback, I don't think you care if he's 26 years old when he takes his first snap or 25 this year, depending on if he's healthy or not. If you get a guy that's really good, it doesn't matter. So I don't care about that. And beyond that, and this is the important part, he's an excellent quarterback, and he checks a lot of the boxes, in my opinion, that matter in the NFL. While everyone's sitting here debating, Anthony Richardson, can he do this? Can he do that? Can he go? What have we seen Hennon Hooker do? He was insane. And all of the things that we love about quarterbacks, basically Hennon Hooker has. He has the smarts. He's got the savvy um, he's got, you know, the processing speed. Listen again, I'm not a quarterback whisperer, but you hear other quarterback people talk about him. Bryce young and Hendon hooker have insane processing speed this year, 70% completion percentage, Anthony Richardson, 54% or whatever, Hendon hooker, 70%, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions when he gets hurt. And I'd say this, the Georgia game stands out as a one-off. Because Georgia was so freaking good. But in Tennessee's biggest games, Hendon Hooker was phenomenal. 239 yards, two touchdowns against LSU. Uh, 349 yards, two touchdowns against Florida. 
385 yards, five touchdowns against Alabama. So when I look at Hendon Hooker, he's got the skill, the processing speed. I think more than anything, he elevated that entire Tennessee program. And I know that's not a be-all, end-all. I get that. But when you're talking about a QB that you're making the face of your franchise, that you need to elevate an entire team, an entire organization, we've seen Hendon Hooker do it. So it might be unpopular. We're going to talk Levis and Anthony Richardson after the break. But if I had to bet my life, if I'm a GM on one QB outside of Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, it'd be Hendon Hooker. Don't care how old he is. I will say, be nice if he got drafted by a team that had time to, to let him rest and develop. Seattle makes a ton of sense there. They have, I think, two first-round picks right now, maybe a back end of the first-round pick. I'd take him in the front end. I don't care. Let him get healthy. I think he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback. All right. So what I want to do. Take a quick break. Come back. When I come back, we will hit on my next four NFL draft hot takes. Then we'll talk a little hoops. Take a quick break. Be right back. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do... I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook in the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here, and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games. It is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred Sportsbook does. And here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game, all playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So, Maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet 200. Doesn't work out. Get 200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, 
Nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now. All right, everybody. I am back. Going to be back. Going to be back. I do want to keep the NFL draft conversation going. By the way, if you plan on betting the draft, Bunch of props already available at the Betfred Sportsbook. So, again, make sure to check out Betfred. Tell them Torres sent you. Uh, but let's keep the hot takes going. And let's get to number five on my list of eight NFL draft hot takes. Promise these next four will be a lot quicker. Number five, just talked about what I think about Bryce Young, what I think about C.J. Stroud, and the fact that I have Head and Hooker ranked ahead of both Will Levis and Anthony Richardson as QB3. So the question now. Many of you are wondering, got a lot of Kentucky fans that listen, got some Florida Gators fans that listen. Who would be your QB4? Who do you like more, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson? Well, I'll just be honest because I'm always honest and sometimes you like me and sometimes you don't. I don't know that I really believe in either of them. Big picture, to be franchise NFL quarterbacks. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that I wouldn't draft either of them, wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. What I am saying is I wouldn't take either in the top 10 or I wouldn't take either if I needed him to contribute as my starter at quarterback next year. And let me explain why I'm a little bit down on both. First, Anthony Richardson. Listen, I'll I'll say this about Anthony Richardson. I was so out on Anthony Richardson after the season, after watching him for 12 games as a college football quarterback. And then I turned on the combine one day, and there he is, six foot four, jacked, uh, four four speed, arm like a rocket. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get why NFL dra- NFL teams are intrigued. My concern with Anthony Richardson, though, is as the old saying goes, the tape don't lie. And when I look at Anthony Richardson, what stands out to me is this: I get the notion that he was not a complete quarterback at the college level. Um, and he only completed 54% of his passes, okay? That is obviously the knock. We know the athletic tools are there, but he only completed 54% of his passes. Now, what is everybody that is on Team Anthony Richardson telling you? Well, Josh Allen only completed 56% of his passes, and look at how good Josh Allen is in the NFL. To that point, that is a great, fair counterpoint. Josh Allen completed 56% of his passes as a college quarterback, Now he's one of the two or three faces of the NFL uh, and one of the best quarterbacks in the league as well. My problem with that, though, is this. For every one Josh Allen that goes from 56% completion percentage in college like he was to a 70, 71, 72% completion percentage guy in the NFL, how many guys are there that never made that jump that never got better and are now just out of the NFL. In other words, to just assume that because Josh Allen went from a 56% uh, completion percentage guy to 70-whatever percent in the NFL, to just assume that Anthony Richardson could do it? Like, I'm sorry. For every one Josh Allen, there's 30 guys that came in as inaccurate quarterbacks and never made it at the NFL level. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll give you one example, okay? So in my head, I seem to remember. Remember the name Jake Locker? And I know we got a lot of Titans fans that listen to this show, so I know you remember the name Jake Locker, okay? Remember the name Jake Locker? Well, I remember him coming in was not a very accurate quarterback. Looked it up, never completed more than 56% of his passes in college. Well, after some quick Wikipedia research, 
He played four years in the NFL. I think he actually stayed around as a backup longer, but did not start a game after year four in the NFL. And you know why? It's because he never completed more than 60% of his passes. So don't give me Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the exception to the rule. What do we say? There's an exception to every rule, but the exception also proves the rule. Josh Allen is the exception, but it proves the rule. To draft a guy and just assume he's going to figure it out, I think it's a lot. I would stay away from Anthony Richardson. Listen, if you're the whoever, I can't think of a team off the top of my head, but if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, if you're the Buffalo Bills, and you believe you got your guy, but maybe and those aren't even good examples, somebody with a quarterback that's a little bit older, that you know you have him for the next two, three years, and you could develop Anthony Richardson without needing him to start this year, then yeah, take a flyer on him. I wouldn't take him in the top 10. And then with Will Levis, listen, I'll just be honest, man. Listen, I I get the situation at Kentucky wasn't perfect. The O-line especially was not very good this year. Beyond that, the the play calling with the offensive coordinator after, after Liam Cohen left this past year was not good. So I get everything working against Will Levis. But I would also say there, there's some misconceptions about Will Levis. I hear like, I've heard the whole like, he doesn't, he didn't have a single NFL talent around him this year. Well, that's not true. He had some wide receivers that will play in the league on Sundays. Dane Key, uh, the, 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 the other kid I'm blanking on his name, the freshmen, they're young, but there was NFL talent around him. It was young. It wasn't what Stetson Bennett had at Georgia. It wasn't what CJ Stroud had at, 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 uh, at Ohio State. But don't tell me he had no talent around him at all. And two, the other thing is, what did I just say about Hennon Hooker? Hennon Hooker in the best games really elevated things. Will Levis didn't. Will Levis, let's go through the stat sheet. You know, what do they say? Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. I might have made that up. Here's Will Levis. Even in wins, he wasn't that good. Remember, Kentucky won at the Swamp this year. Will Levis, 13 of 24, 202 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Now, he was good against Ole Miss. I'll give him credit for that. 18 of 24, two touchdowns, no INTs. But uh, 98 yards passing, no touchdowns, three interceptions against Tennessee. Again, I get that the O-line was bad. But then how about this? 11 of 23 passing, no touchdowns, one interception, and a loss to Vanderbilt. Um, You know, you go on and on down the list. He just wasn't good in big games. And I'll take it a step further. He wasn't that good in big games last year when Kentucky won a bunch of games. Like, I think there's this big misconception that Kentucky a few years ago was this incredible offense. No, they were great against really bad teams. 45 points against Louisiana Monroe. They had 42 points against a bad LSU team two years ago that fired Coach O. 52 points against Louisville. 56 points against uh, against New Mexico State. But how about this? Against Florida two years ago, even in a win. Will Levis, 7 of 17, passing one touchdown, one interception. Against South Carolina, 15 of 22 passing, no touchdowns, one interception. So I I just, I never saw it in a big game. Even two years ago, even when Kentucky won a bunch of games, in the biggest games, in the biggest moments, it wasn't because of him. So again, I'm not saying he's a terrible person. I'm not saying nobody should draft him in seven rounds and 300-something picks or whatever it is. I'm just saying that if I had a top 10 pick, 15 pick, 20 pick, whatever, and I needed him to be the franchise quarterback, I would not take him. Let's get to hot take number six. And my hot take number six is this. I believe the two guys I just mentioned, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, I think one of the two of them 
is going to fall pretty significantly in this draft. Because why, why I think this is a hot take is this. I have heard repeatedly throughout this process, oh, four, four quarterbacks are going in the top 10 of this draft. As a matter of fact, uh, Betfred has an interesting prop over under four and a half quarterbacks in the first round. I think the insinuation being the fifth guy is Hendon Hooker. But at the same time, listen, I think everybody, it feels like everybody believes that that Bryce Young's going number one, C.J. Stroud's going number two, either Levis or Richardson is going number four, and that somebody is going to, to trade up to get the other one. Maybe somebody even potentially trades up to number three where the Cardinals are selecting to draft either Levis or Richardson if both are still on the board. Well, again, I just don't see it. Why? One, we kind of have a history. Like, like, like We get so worked up about the quarterbacks around draft time. I get it. I understand why. But there's kind of a history of guys that end up getting so much hype during the draft process and end up falling. We actually had a perfect example last year. I was told throughout the whole draft process, Malik Willis was going in the first round. To take it a step further, um, beyond that, um, some had him in the top 10 last year. Malik Willis didn't go in the first round. He didn't go in the second round. He was a third round pick to the Tennessee Titans. Few years ago, remember this? Geno Smith, people thought he was going number one overall. It was the year the Jets had, I think, the first pick overall. He didn't go to the second round. Like, I actually felt bad. If you remember, he was the last guy in the green room, and they asked him to come back for the second day, and he just flat out refused. Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers famously went late. Every year, I'm told these quarterbacks, these quarterbacks, these quarterbacks, and then it comes time for a GM to pull the trigger. It comes time for a GM to bet his entire career or her entire career on one of these guys that has questions. And what ends up happening? Somebody always falls. And also, let's keep in mind, not everybody in this top 10 needs a quarterback. Number three, the Arizona Cardinals don't. Can they get somebody to trade with them? Maybe because the Colts at number four are probably going to draft a quarterback. Seattle at number five, they don't need a quarterback. They might get one later in the draft, but they don't need one. Detroit at six doesn't need one. Las Vegas, the Raiders at seven have Jimmy G. The Falcons at number eight seem to be riding with Desmond Ritter for whatever reason, like it or not. Nine Chicago Bears, 10 Philadelphia Eagles. Neither of those teams need a quarterback. So yes, somebody could trade up. But I believe in my heart of hearts, one of these two guys is going to fall because this is what happens every year. I just think it will. Really quickly, final two uh, NFL draft hot takes. Number seven of eight, Jalen Clark Carter. I want to take him. I want to take him in the top 10. And again, it's like a, a Will Levis, um, Anthony Richardson thing. I'm not saying the guy doesn't deserve to be in the NFL. I'm not saying somebody won't take a chance on him. I'm just saying I personally, I want to take him. And here's why. First off, we know about the legal situation. We talked about it on this show a few weeks ago. Sad situation at Georgia, fatal crash, kills two people. Um, and we find out later that Jalen Carter was driving the other car and they were racing. Not saying it's Jalen Carter's fault anybody died. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that alone shows some really bad judgment. You're three, two, three months away at that point. This was mid-January. You are two or three months away from changing your family's life forever, 
and you're driving 140 miles an hour through the streets of Athens, Georgia. I'm sorry. It's just awful. It's just idiotic. I don't, you know, like, like I understand their kids and I understand people make mistakes and I'm not saying he's a terrible human being, but go home, take an Uber. And, and I know he wasn't drinking or anything like that, but it's just not smart. But that's on top of the fact that even before that, there were all sorts of questions about his character. Todd McShay said it during the national championship game. They brought Todd McShay out to preview the game and talk about the NFL draft. He said, I'm already hearing character issues. Sure, he's a good guy. Sure, he doesn't mean any harm. But you heard stuff in the lead up to the combine about character issues around him. Then you find out later that he made a dumb mistake driving his car. I just think it's a total lack of judgment. And there are other great defensive line prospects in this draft. Will Anderson has all the talent without any of the chaos in his life. By all accounts, Will Anderson's like the nicest human being in the world from Alabama. The kid from Texas Tech, Tyreek Wilson. No drama that I know of, and maybe I missed something, but I just don't see it. Nolan Smith, kind of a linebacker. He's not really a defensive lineman, but you know, if you're looking for speed off the edge, he, no drama, team captain, whatever. Go on and on. You know, Clemson has a couple guys, Miles Murphy, edge rusher, Brian Brze. Uh, defensive tackle, kind of a, a three technique guy. Just doesn't feel like you need to risk everything on Jalen Carter's upside because again, it goes back to the, the, the Anthony Richardson, Josh Allen conversation. I'm sure there's a guy that had a lot of questions coming into the draft that ended up being fine. But generally when this stuff happens, when there's off the field conversations, I hate to say it, but sometimes it trickles onto the field as well. I just want to take him in the top 10. That's just me. And then finally, the one player that I love, and I can't say it's a hot take because I, 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 he's starting to get major buzz again here over the next couple, uh, over the last couple weeks. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Most of you probably remember the story, but this guy was unbelievable two seasons ago at Ohio State. Remember, I remember vividly, there was actually an interview done. Remember, he played at Ohio State two years ago with, with Garrett Wilson, who ended up being a star for the Jets, and Chris Olave. Guess who led the team in receptions at Ohio State? It wasn't Garrett Wilson. It wasn't Chris Olave. It was Jackson Smith and Jigba with 95 catches and nine touchdowns. Oh, by the way, remember... That Rose Bowl game two years ago. Do you remember? Because I sure can't forget. It was one of the iconic moments that I've ever seen ever from a player. 347 yards on 15 catches. 347 yards on 15 catches. That sounds made up. It wasn't. Now, this year it was unfortunate. Suffered an injury in the first game against Notre Dame. Um, tried to come back, couldn't come back, and at some point just decided to shut it down, get ready for the NFL draft. He had just five catches this year. But he's one, man. He is a special, special, special talent. He is no doubt about it, my wide receiver one. And I'll be curious where he goes. Keep in mind two things. One, Chicago Bears, top 10 pick. Justin Fields is their guy. They're betting on him. They got DJ Moore in that trade. Jackson Smith and Jigba caught balls from Justin Fields in his first season. Oh, by the way, Texans, if they take C.J. Stroud at number two, they also have a pick at number 12. 
So potentially the two quarterbacks that threw him passes at Ohio State could both need a, their teams could need a wide receiver. So keep an eye on that. Those are your eight NFL draft hot takes. Bryce Young, number one, no doubt. CJ Stroud, or I take that back. The the most interesting quarterback isn't in this draft. That's Caleb Williams. CJ Stroud, I don't love, but I would take him at two if I'm the Texans. Hennon Hooker's my QB three. Don't like Richardson or Levis. Think one of them falls. Jalen Carter, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. All right, so what I'll do, take a quick break, come back, and when I come back, we are going to talk a little bit of college hoops, some news and notes. Also, a little bit of a bummer, sad story, but Mikey Williams, five-star guard, committed to Memphis, gets in some trouble with the law, and we're going to talk about it. I've said it so many times. We put too much pressure on these young kids. I hate it. He's just the latest. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. I do want to switch gears. Do want to get to some basketball. Now, I'll readily admit, it was a little bit of a quiet week and in the world of college basketball. Now, a lot of visits, a lot of interesting stuff happened. But in terms of actual commitments, it was a little bit quiet. Now, I will say, I think the coming days, it's going to be big, right? Hunter Dickinson took two visits this weekend. Uh, Ryan Nemhard took two visits this weekend. Nick Timberlake, as I record, took a visit to UConn. All the crystal balls indicate he's going to UConn, but nothing is official yet. Tyler Perry, the uh, Conference USA Player of the Year, was at Arkansas this weekend. So there's a lot going on. But let's just focus on what has happened. And again, over the coming days, we're going to have a lot to discuss. But with that said, I do want to discuss the news of the weekend. And let's start with an actually a very big commitment uh, involving Jesse Edwards, the center from Syracuse. What's interesting about the commitment, though, not just where he's going, but some of the commentary that he made after was fascinating. But Jesse Edwards, for people who don't know, played the last three years at Syracuse. Really good player. One of the few bright spots they had. He actually played all four years, I should say, uh, at Syracuse. But this year was his best year. 
finished his senior year, decides to hit the portal with one year left. This after averaging 14 and a half points, 10 rebounds, two and a half blocks per game. So maybe probably the best big guy in the portal outside of Hunter Dickinson. But he was down to a, a final three of Kansas, Gonzaga, and West Virginia. And I'll tell you this, in a little bit of a surprising piece of news, Jesse Edwards, who I had number four in my portal rankings, commits to, drumroll please, he's going to West Virginia. So Bob Huggins picks up his second big commitment of the offseason. Kirk Reese, the guard from Arizona, was obviously one. Jesse Edwards is the other. Really good player. I'll be curious to see how he does in the Big 12. Big 12 is a little bit of a physical league, a tough league. Bob Huggins is tough to play for. This kid is kind of a, you know, I don't know what the right way to put it is. I, I wouldn't say he's the most physical big guy, but super athletic, defends the rim. I think he'll be a really nice player. But why I bring it up is not just because of the fact that he committed to West Virginia. West Virginia now has a second high-profile commit. He said something very interesting after he committed, though, to ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni. Jonathan Gavoni asked him point blank about NIL playing a role in the decision. Here is what Jesse Edwards said. He said NIL is a bonus, but not the primary factor in his decision. Here is his exact quote beyond that. NIL isn't what I'm playing for. It doesn't seem Syracuse is that into that. I'm not really sure what their plan is or what the school's idea is behind it. For me, it was something that they couldn't offer in that way. So how about a quote about NIL? It's not. It's, it's just a bonus, but... It doesn't really seem Syracuse is that into NIL. Oh, my God. You talk about just a shot across the bow at your former school. Former, I think, cross shot across the bow, whatever. That's a big one right there. Now, what I'll say, Jesse Edwards, who's going into his fifth year, one thing I can definitively say, I'm sure he's a nice young man. But when he says NIL was just a bonus, he's full of it, okay? Because when he left Syracuse, his dad went on the record in an interview and said, oh yeah, Syracuse isn't giving us enough NIL. We're looking at our options. So don't tell me it's about not about NIL when it is obviously about NIL. But two, I'll tell you this, you guys and girls, more than anything else, I get so many questions on NIL as it pertains to college basketball and college football too. What's true? What's not true? How much does like this player get? How much do you think that guy's getting? And so I bring it up because... You talk about, you know, th there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that guys like me can't talk about or don't talk about or won't talk about out of respect for sources or privacy or this or that. But I just bring it up to say, you want to know the story behind the story with NIL? Well, one place that we know ain't getting the job done is Syracuse. I'm going to read you this quote again because it is unbelievable. The exact quote from a player who was just there. It doesn't seem Syracuse is that into that. I'm not really sure what their plan is or the school's idea behind it. For me, it was something they couldn't offer in that way. And so what I'll say is, you know, at the end of the day, bottom line, this is the new world that we live in. Now, there is an interesting note with Syracuse specifically, and that is that their biggest booster, um, who is, he's actually very famous. Uh, basically, um, he's very famous because this guy's name, Adam Weitzman, okay? He lives in Syracuse, big booster. 
And what he does, and it's public, like this isn't a big secret. He literally pays celebrities to come sit with him at Syracuse basketball games. This year it was DeMar Hamlin. In the past it was Gronk, uh, Tom Brady. If you've ever seen like a random celeb at a Syracuse game, this guy is paying these guys to come to the games with them. So it's interesting because he had pledged millions of dollars to Syracuse's NIL. And late last week, he basically made an announcement, I'm not helping anymore. And so there's clearly something going on behind the scenes there. But listen, I think this is the new world of college sports. Part of competing at the highest level. For years, it's been about finances, but it's been about resources. It's been about the head coach. It's been about assistant coaches. It's been about facilities. Now it's about NIL. You're either falling behind or you're keeping up with the pack. Now, again, and we've talked about this before, I still don't believe that for most players, NIL is the only factor in their decision. Um, You know, it comes down to playing time, getting you ready for the pros, coach, coaching style relationships, but you have to have something. And so for a player to come out and publicly say, oh, they don't even care about that there. It's not a good look. I'll be curious to see what happens with Syracuse going forward. Um, That's a shot across the bow. There's no other way to put it. It's a bad look, and Syracuse has to figure their stuff out quickly. Really quickly, the only other portal news of the weekend comes from my new favorite program in college basketball. That's right, Big Rick Energy. You can get your Big Rick Energy t-shirts at AaronTorresOnline.com slash merchandise. Big Rick Energy, Rick Pitino. This man is on the prowl, okay? You talk about a man on the prowl. Insert your own jokes about Italian restaurants in Louisville here. But I bring it up because what did we talk about a week ago? Mailbag. He hadn't secured a commitment to about until about a couple days ago. He hadn't secured a commitment. Well, how about this? In the last four days, Rick Pitino has secured four different commitments for St. John's basketball in 2023. 2023, 2024. The most noteworthy of the bunch, I would say it was actually came on Sunday night. Naheem Aleen, a part of UConn's national championship team this year, entered the portal late last week, announced he's going to St. John's. Now, look, you look at the stat sheet for Naheem Aleen, and listen, I watch all these UConn games, so I, I think I have a pretty good feel. Didn't blow you away, but he was a guy that the role was kind of evolving as the season went on. Got a lot of minutes early, less minutes late. Didn't have a huge role late, but was a good kid. I was around him at the Final Four. All the guys liked him, but decided to enter the portal looking for a bigger role. And I actually think he could be really good at St. John's. And here's why I think he could be really good at St. John's. It's because before he got to UConn, he was a very good player at Virginia Tech. So he is a two-time transfer, but he's a fifth-year guy. I assume he will be eligible next year. And this was a guy that was really good at Virginia Tech. 2020-2021 season, Virginia Tech makes the NCAA tournament. He averaged 11.1 points per game, 39% three-point shooting. As a player in 2021-2022, Virginia Tech again in the NCAA tournament, he averaged just under 10 points on 37% three-point shooting. And so I bring it up because, listen, St. John's right now, they need dudes that can get buckets, and Naheem Aline is one. So he was the biggest name from the weekend couple other names. The first commitment for St. John's was one of Rick Pitino's former Iona Gales, uh, Denise Jenkins, 16 points per game, 37% three-point shooting. 
Also over the course of the weekend, another uh, another Iona player committed to uh, committed to Rick Pitino and St. John's outside of Denise Jenkins. It was a player by the name of Cruz Davis. Now, Cruz Davis is a defensive player, intense guy. I think he's going to be a program guy, but I like the fact that he's following Rick Pitino. He knows what the standard is. He knows what the expectation is. And then finally on Saturday, St. John's also picked up a commitment from a player named Sean Conway from VMI. Overall, he averaged 12 and a half points per game, 38% three-point shooting. And let me just say this, okay? Let me just say this, is that when I look at the situation with St. John's and Rick Pitino, we talked about the fact that the fans were kind of nervous because there were no commitments, and I know what the conversation is now. Well, there's not a lot of big names, and there's not a lot of difference makers. couple things. One, Patino's still going hard in the paint. Two, I think it's worth noting, Andrew Slater reported on Sunday, St. John's is going to meet with Mackenzie Mbako, the five-star that was committed to Duke that has since reopened his commitment. I told you, if I'm power-ranking places that he should go, my power ranking in terms of what I think is best for him and his brand, one North Carolina because they need a guy exactly like him. I mean, one is Kentucky, but they're not recruiting him. So one North Carolina, then it's St. John's. I don't think Louisville's the right spot, even though they might get him. I don't think G League Ignite, if the branding is about what it's about, then whatever. This kid is from New York. You talk about a chance to make a splash, be a national name, the face of the St. John's rebuild. That's where he should go. We'll see if Rick Pitino gets him. But two, he's Rick freaking Patino, okay? He's never been about signing the biggest names, the best players, whatever. Give Rick Patino his guys. He's going to win. If you're a St. John's fan, do not worry. Again, that's your portal news and notes for this weekend. A little bit of a quieter weekend in the portal, but we'll have plenty more going forward. All right, finally, there is one more topic that I do want to discuss before we get out of here, and I'll just be blunt. It's a little bit of a sad one. It's definitely a serious one, but you know one thing about the Aaron Torres podcast, we do not duck serious topics here on this show. And so because of it, I want to get into something that happened on Friday involving a high school basketball player named Mikey Williams. I think many of you probably do or at least are familiar with the name Mikey Williams, but for those of you who aren't, what I would argue Mikey Williams might be the most the second most prominent high school basketball player in the country behind only Bronny James. Okay. They actually played AAU ball together early on in their careers, but Mikey Williams is an interesting, you know, situation case study, whatever you want to call it, because he has basically been in the spotlight since he was 13, 14 years old. He was a player that famously had over a million Instagram followers before he ever played a game of high school basketball. Uh, really known for his dunks. He's about a 6'2", 6'3", guard, great dunker, was throwing him down in 7th, 8th grade, built a heck of a following. Um, and since then, you know, he's played four years of high school basketball, and it's been sort of an up-and-down thing, but up until Friday, it, you know, it seemed like he came out on, on an all-right end. Uh, was a five-star, was one of the top players in his class, fell down a little bit in the rankings, but still was committed to Memphis, signed with Memphis, and for all intents and purposes was set to play at Memphis next year. Unfortunately, though, that is all now in jeopardy because on Friday, Mikey Williams, five-star committed to Memphis, was arrested and charged with five counts of assault with a deadly weapon. Again, as I always say in these situations, he's obviously innocent until proven guilty. 
It's obviously there's a lot that needs to unfold. But if everything in the police report is true, it's a really sad deal. And this might effectively be the end of his time as as a prominent basketball player. And again, just another sad situation involving a guy that we put a lot of pressure on as a very young basketball player. Now, in terms of the details, this all from the police report, uh, multiple outlets have have secured that police report. These are not my opinions. These are these are just the facts of what we know. There's a house under the Williams family name. A few weeks ago, March 27th, as a matter of fact, there's an incident and people are asked to leave the house. As they're leaving the house, five people get in a car and as they're driving away, gunshots ring out. And gunshots actually hit the car, although thankfully nothing from there has happened. Well, after a couple weeks of investigation, search warrant is issued. Police show up at Mikey Williams' house. And again, on Friday, he is arrested. Here's the scary part. If he is found guilty, these are all just allegations, he could be looking at up to four years in prison for this situation. And so I have a few thoughts on this. One, let me start by saying this. In life, as I always say, two things can be true. And on the one hand, this is obviously unacceptable criminal behavior. If he's found guilty, it's all allegations. But while it is all while it is idiotic, dumb, unacceptable behavior, it is also sad, right? I mean, this isn't, you know, Chris Beard being involved in what he is accused of being involved in a few months ago as a 50-year-old grown-up. This kid's 18 years old not fully developed, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever. And he made a really, really, really dumb mistake. And that's not an excuse. And if he's found guilty, he needs to serve whatever punishment the law dictates that he needs to. It doesn't make it less sad, though, because everything he had going for him, million, you know, mil- millions of Instagram followers, because of the world we live in, he was making real NIL money scholarship to Memphis that could all be gone. What I would also say, and this is important, you listen to the details of that report. As bad as this is, this actually could have been much, 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 much worse. Could have been much worse. Think about it. Five people in a car, gunshots, car gets hit by bullets, and there are no major injuries? I'm not here to speak for anybody involved, but if Mikey Williams was involved in the, the the situation that led to those those bullet shots, those gunshots, he should be thanking his lucky stars that they only hit the car and nothing worse happened. But really, finally, what I want to say is this. While you can't excuse the behavior, I do think there this is yet another situation of another kid that we put way too much on too soon. And this continues to happen. And we continue to be surprised when bad things happen. Now to be clear, and I want to make this clear because I said something on social media, people took it the wrong way. Just because he got a lot of hype when he was young, just because he got a lot of interview requests and media availability and this and that, that doesn't make what he did excusable. And it's not to say that we're going to blame the media or this or that for his very allegedly dumb decision a few weeks ago. But at the same time, we see this over and over and over and over again. 
How many times have we discussed this exact topic with Imani Bates on this show? Imani Bates, 13, 14 years old. Media is comparing him to LeBron James, to Kevin Durant, the best high school player since this, has the chance to be that all-time great. And what ends up happening? Amani doesn't develop. Amani feels the pressure. It doesn't work out. He goes to Memphis. Ironically enough, it's a disaster. He goes to Eastern Michigan. He puts up stats. I haven't looked lately, but I don't think he's an NBA draft prospect anymore. And it's not to say that any one person should be blamed. People have jobs and responsibilities, and but, but there were people that put a lot on Amani Bates' plate, and every time he stepped on the court for two, three, four years, everybody was gutted for him. Every media, like, like, it's just a lot to put on a 13 or 14-year-old's plate to label somebody like Imani Bates the best player since LeBron James, the best player since Kevin Durant, whatever it was. Mikey Williams wasn't exactly the same situation, but a lot got thrown at him more than probably should have for a 13, 14 years old, 14 year old. One, I know people in the basketball community can tell you for sure. They'll tell you. He gets to high school with a million Instagram followers. It changes. Now everybody's coming after him. Now everybody's gunning for him. Now everybody wants to prove themselves against the guy, the million dollar man, the million dollar guy with all the followers. Not saying other good players don't have people come at him, but that's the truth. Beyond that, go back and look at some of the coverage of Mikey Williams over the last three, four, five years. I found a Bleacher Report interview from 2020. Now, this was during the time a core maker committed to an HBCU, all that good stuff. But Mikey Williams put out a list of 10 schools. He had the typical, you know, Kansas. I think San Diego State was on there. But he also had two or three HBCUs. And it immediately became, well, Mikey Williams is going to change everything and he's going to be the first one. There was literally in in a, a quote in the article. Mikey Williams is 15 years old when he does this article, this interview. Mikey Williams said, I want to change sports forever. And there's nothing wrong with him saying that. He's 15. He doesn't know any better. He's a child. But you know what? You know what happened? Bleacher Report ran that interview and ran that article as if, I don't even know. I don't even want to make a comparison. But it was like, I don't even know. I don't even want to make a comparison. But the point I'm trying to make is, why are we giving a 15-year-old that platform? Why are we using his quotes as if he's Muhammad Ali or I don't even know, Tiger? Like, I don't know. He's 15 years old. It's just, it's so frustrating because you see it time and time and time again. And we've talked about this before, but Imani Bates, too much too soon. Go back throughout history. There are plenty of other guys. Go back and Google a guy named Lenny Cook. He was the number one player in America. You know, he's done, done a documentary, said he was living a professional life at 15, 16 years old. Um, whoever. There's Demetrius Walker. There's there's a book written about a kid named Demetrius Walker was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 15 years old. Might not have ever heard of him for obvious reasons. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this. Of every player that has received like insane hype prior to being, say, 16 years old, like, like I'm not talking about a senior in high school about to go to college. I'm not talking about whoever, Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram or John Wall or Anthony Davis. But guys that got hype at 13, 14, 15 years old, outside of LeBron James, has it really worked out for any of those guys? There's another kid, by the way, Kyrie Walker. Go ahead and Google him as well. About four or five years ago, you know, 
number one freshman in America on the cover of everything. Right now, he's struggling in the G League to find his spot, and I wish him nothing but the best. Best. I interviewed him a few times when he was in high school, seemed like a good kid. The point I'm trying to make, I wish we let these kids be kids. I wish we didn't put so much pressure on him. And I understand that in the case of a Mikey Williams, you can't stop people from following you on social media. That's part of the deal. But let's get, listen, let's give credit to LeBron James. LeBron James was very careful in how he managed his son throughout his early years. Remember, Bronny didn't even have Instagram until he was like 15, 16 years old. Because LeBron said, I went through that. I don't want him to have to deal with that. And Bronny seems like a great kid with a great head on his shoulders. And that's a credit to his parents. They've been careful. What what social media he's on, what media he does. How many one-on-one interviews have you ever seen Bronny James do? Because I don't think I've seen a single one. McDonald's All-American game, they did not make him available for media availability. I think at the Nike Hoop Summit, maybe he did like one thing with reporters. But LeBron's being smart with his son, not putting too much on his plate, not too much too soon. And I hope, I just hope this continues to be a lesson. Again, I'm not excusing the behavior. What I am saying is when you put a lot of pressure on a kid at 13, 14 years old, and you tell him he's this, and you tell him he's that, and you t- and oh, by the way, he switched high schools two or three times because the adults are pulling him in a million different directions. Then he's got an NIL situation going on. It's a lot to put on a kid. I hope we learn our lesson. And obviously, look, I hope somehow this is all misconstrued and Mikey Williams is fine. He's playing at Memphis next year. But this is just a really, really sad deal. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Do think it is time for me to get out of here. Thank you all for listening to this Monday show. Appreciate all of your support. And it's time for me to go. Shout out to Tork. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You have had unblock me, bro. It's the playoffs. Let's just have some fun. Me and you, JJ. Unblock me. I'll be back Wednesday. New Aaron Torres pop. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus